So hello and welcome to episode 7 of the 2020 season of the Shiny Sider podcast, dedicated to improved production racing around Australia and hosted by Mick Hazelton and myself, Chris White. This episode was recorded on the 9th of September 2020. In tonight's episode, Mick and I are joined by two-time under two-litre national champion Dave Walden. We cover recent results of gossip, and Dave talks us through his history in the category, his various cars, and his so far unsuccessful efforts to advocate for the addition of the UNOS Cosmo to the list of eligible IP vehicles. And we really enjoyed talking to Dave, and we hope you enjoy it too. Thanks again to Dave and to all our listeners out there for your ongoing support of the show. Don't forget to subscribe on Facebook and in your podcast app for future episodes, and we hope you enjoy the show. So hello and welcome to another episode of the Shiny Side Up podcast. I'm Chris White and joining me again as always, Mick Hazelton. How are you doing, Mick? It's been a while. I'm great. Thank you, Chris. It has been too long. Both of us have been way too busy, but, you know, there hasn't been much racing for a bit. So now we've actually got a lot to talk about, which is pretty we, cool. We do. And joining us to talk about all the good shit that's happening in IP at the moment, Dave Walden from Queensland. Dave, thanks for joining us tonight, mate. Oh, my pleasure. And look, before we get into it, uh, and as always, we're going to uh, just again give a plug to the IP sponsors. Firstly, for New South Wales, Yokohama, Ravenol, Aussie Hire, Faber Competition Parts, Midas, Disc Breaks Australia, and Bring It Digital. And thank you to the IP sponsors for South Australia, Tyre Power Kensington Park, Autosport.com.au, Andreas Auto, Ministry of Beer. TRP Ductwork and Lamination System, Australia's Lamination Specialists. And IP Queensland supporters in honour of our guests tonight, motorsportsales.com, Midas, Grimo's Garage, Warwick Douglas Constructions, MCA Suspension, and also I'd just like to give a shout out to Lee Wallace Media. Lee, you do a great job for IP Queensland and for IP nationally, so thanks for what you do, mate. So kicking it off uh, into the news. So uh, I thought, um, gentlemen, we'd start with a bit of a rundown of the results. So talking firstly about the most recent round at New South Wales, Mick, on the 1st and 2nd of August, which was at Sydney Motorsport Park GP. Again, there was some televised vision for us to watch there. Your thoughts on what happened at, um, at Sydney Motorsport Park back in the beginning of the month, mate? Well, beginning of last month, not this month. True it is. Yeah. Because um, I'm picking on old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the over two litres because of, you know, the difference between qualifying and race results but in unders i just remember kurt and hendy being you know, much faster than everyone did hendy actually out qualify kurt though he did yeah. yeah jason turned up and out of the blue uh put in a a very quick lap i think um just pipping uh kurt in quality but kurt showed race pace i think throughout the weekend and took the took the round pretty comfortably another great drive from kurt um, yep. Managed to get it off the line and um, and uh, kept it clean and and well, that's and good. The like, round that's a trophy in itself for Kurt. Getting <laughs> off the line okay. Well, he's getting better and better, I think, at that. And <laughs> um, and you know, again, those launches I think were an issue for him last year, but uh, he's definitely showed some improvement this year. And um, uh, but didn't have it all his own way. Jason pushed him and he challenged throughout the weekend. There weren't many results where Kurt was sort of well in front, uh, and a couple of races where it was, you know, a second or two. But um, then um, there was that trio of Civics, uh, sort of third, fourth, and fifth, Jowett, McClintock, and Bohm. Looks like some good racing between the three of them, but also, like I said at the front, uh, Kurt Kurt didn't, you know, he, he had to keep it clean to win. Jason, we know he's quick, 
and very um, fast yeah, so, at Eastern Creek. Yeah, so congratulations um, uh, again to Kurt for, uh, for keeping it clean and taking out the round in fine style. And in overs, yeah, that was interesting story. We, um, you know, two cars that we're unfamiliar with, at least in recent times, uh, being very, very quick it was obviously Jordan's Swift, uh, which turned up, and I think um, uh, you know, not a massive surprise that it was really, really quick. But um, I think the race pace was was pretty impressive as well. I think the big surprise was was Joey Lenthal in the mysterious RX-7 that everybody sort of the mythical beast that you know we see in Facebook photos, but um, with often with five layers of wax on it, but rarely on the track. And uh, it turns up and insanely fast, both of them in the forties. Um, well, I think that was that was pretty impressive. It should be there. Joey's Joey can drive Eastern Creek well. City Motorsport Park. The RX-7 is not a bad platform there. Pete Ingram's gone that fast before. And Joey's got all brand new good bits in the car, plus that six-speed Samsonis, which is just, you know, really woken that car up. I was watching a lot of in-car, and, and it can, through the back of the track, it's just with the new gear spacing and ratio spacing, it doesn't fall off port very often. And mm-hmm. you know, I... I I think I commented to you by text because you live so freaking far away from me now. <laughs> Sorry, Not that mate. we would have been at the pub anyway, but still, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, we couldn't be at the track at least. And, yeah, it, it, it was definitely a one-lap pace, and I'm pretty sure on the coverage Joey mentions that it was his perfect lap. You know, he just stitched one together. And it was pretty obvious that he wasn't going to be able to stay down there. He had to use a lot of car and to get down there whereas i'm pretty sure jordan was going to be able to knock it out because the car has more torque and can yeah you know, do those times more easily i feel even though the little thing's probably an absolute handful with that much torque and a little square wheelbase to to track ratio yeah yeah so it's um but it's still both lightning fast and leaps and bounds ahead of anyone else so yeah yeah and and i think uh, a shame in the end that jordan had that dnf later in the round and i think it was something minor too i think a, a crank angle sensor breaking off the block or something it was um, which is, smoke, though. there's something else going on it's kicking a lot of smoke oh, out on yeah this, so. that. yeah and, and so you probably turbo seal well i hope it's well, only turbo seals geordie <laughs> yeah, um, who knows, but yeah yeah it's um, still you know i'm pretty sure that they didn't expect it to be fast and reliable straight away to turbo car, you know, they never yeah. are. So it's yeah, it's never the, both. Yeah. The joy of the joy of boost. Um, yeah, exactly. to ask me how I know. Yeah, look, it was good. So a good weekend really, and um, and good to see uh, some good vision there and, and some interesting results and and new cars at least in overs uh, towards the front, which was good. So the next round I wanted to talk about was the same weekend South Australian round at Mullala on the first and second of August. Yeah, I actually got out there. It is down there. Yeah, got out there too and got to have a look at it myself. I love Malala. It's a great place. A lot of people might wonder why I'm saying that because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere and it feels like you're in the middle of a paddock in Kansas watching the racing. But um, I love the place and I can't wait to get my car out there. But yeah, it was good. I got to meet Chris Brown in person. So g'day Brownie if you're listening. Uh, It's good to meet you. And uh, quality racing really with Brownie just pipping Scott Cook off the line. Scott put it on pole and but brownie was able to get him off the line um in both those races on the saturday and hold him off it was a shame in a sense that um anthony norris who i think qualified with a, a 16 or a 7 and i can't remember exactly what it was he was a couple of seconds off the pace but when the race started he was he was impressively fast and not that far off the front running pace but is then he still some, in the 1200 
turbo. Yes, yeah, yeah, in the 1200 turbo. And it's a nicely presented car too. It, um, it's a credit to you, Anthony. So, um, but yeah, shame. I think he had some issues with driveline vibration. I thought it might have been a tail shaft. I'm not sure in the end exactly what it was, but pretty much that was the end of his weekend. I think he, 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 he had a crack at a couple more races, but quickly dropped out. They couldn't sort it. So I hope you can uh, sort that out, Anthony. But it was good, good racing, good watch. And, um, and yeah, I think... Um, Again, I think their next their next round's at the bend, so I'm looking forward to getting out there and checking that out too. The next round, I guess, it's probably I guess chronologically was the the round at West Australia at Barbagallo on the 16th of August. Um, fairly small field there. Steve Turpin and Barry Baltinas look to have fought it out in what seems to have been possibly a wet track because times are pretty slow until the last race when um, I think it, dr- it dried out and, and Barry Baltinas seem to be able to drive away with it. I'm not entirely sure whether that reflects exactly what happened, but that was what Natsoff suggested. So well done, Barry. The next round was the 23rd of August at Tasmania. So at Simmons Plains there, I actually um, I exchanged some messages with Brad Chick because it was clear that he was pretty quick at, at Simmons Plains in the Commodore. But Jared House won all three races, I think. And the, according to Brad, he missed gears. Uh, so Brad, <laughs> I'll take your word for that, mate. Missed gears um, and let Jared buy. But ultimately, I think in the final race, he had a DNF after his front wheel sheared off, the, the studs sheared off at the hairpin. Thankfully, yeah. it was a hairpin because there are a couple of places at Simmons where if that had happened, it wouldn't have been fun. So glad yeah, that... the start-finish line, I imagine, would be pretty horrific. Yeah, yeah it could have... With that chicane <laughs> there and the wall so close, that would be horrible. Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty hard to pull a Commodore up with one front wheel anyways. So, um, yeah, bad luck, Brad, but well Do done, Jared, in the Tirana. What is good, though, it seems that their successful nationals that they had, they're still getting an IP field. Yeah. So you've only mentioned like three or four people there, but they weren't getting that many before the nationals. So, you know, that's a that's a good testament to how well they ran that meeting and the good atmosphere if people still, you know, are carrying on that desire to race and to run improved production and hopefully we can see more cars in Tassie, IP cars. Yeah, for sure. I I think, yeah, you're right. A bit of momentum coming out of the Nationals. Yeah, about 10 or 12. 10 or 12 in the middle of a pandemic in Tasmania uh, at Simmons Plains, um, which, you know, obviously Matthew Grace seemed to be very, very quick down there and would have struggled, you know, for obvious reasons at Simmons to keep up with the big V8s. And he did. He he wasn't far behind them, but obviously coming down the straight there, it's hard to to get past, you know. Stops halfway down. Yeah. So, so you know, he's he's probably valiant in defeat there, um, but um, yeah, very close to them in the end. But I agree, and and you know, take take that too with the fact that I think there's been, you know, there's a couple of broken cars down there at the moment too, like Lee Forrest, who's a bit of a fixture down there in the local events. He 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 um, unfortunately uh, did significant damage to his car, I think, a few months ago, and uh, you know, there's a massive rebuild. Uh, I, I would hope that's going on there, Lee. I if you're listening, and I hope you. You know, getting getting on with that, and and that it's um, that it's proceeding smoothly. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I think it's it's uh, it's good to see in Tasmania because you're right. There were you know a few when we were looking mid last year before the nationals. You know, four or five IP cars was a, was a pretty normal field to see down there, and it's looking a lot healthier than that now, which is good. Yeah, and they weren't fast cars. Like they're yeah. all those top three are all fast cars. Yep, for sure. 
And the final round, at least chronologically, was the most recent one at Morgan Park in Queensland on the 28th and 29th of August. So, Dave, mate, you're with us and uh, you were a feature in that race. Mate, give us your memories and recollections of how the, how the weekend went. Uh, yeah, it was an excellent weekend for me. I had a, a, a couple of little dramas with some mixture problems, but um, some, as I found out now, there's some injectors that were blocked up which were replaced. But uh, had quite a good number of um, you know, 20 cars turn up. Um, you know, Kyle in his big V8 was was really quick, but he had issues uh, in qualifying and saw them out for Sunday. And he was his lap times told us we should have been at the front, but uh, due to his start from the back of the grid, couldn't get through. Jason Grimman was back in his big V8. Brucey Cook was back in the Escort. Uh, Greg Gray came back in his Corolla. Um, Adam Ubergang made a made an appearance in in his black RX3, so that certainly gave uh, me a hurry up. Brock Brock Payne now. Starting to star in the uh, X Gen Tech RX7, and he's, he's showing a great turn of speed, so he's going to be one to watch in the future. Um, Cola Burl, in, in, uh, he's got rid of his Audi and he's got into a BMW, so he's a lot quicker. And, and Rod Lynch's gorgeous looking new uh, Commodore came out for the weekend, but he had a he had a problem with his limit slip diff and found out that um, like 80% of the drive was going to one wheel and it was basically wanting to turn around every time it went around a corner, so. He commented it was the it was the ugliest car he's ever driven. <laughs> was that the VL? It was great, it was, it was, no, sorry, Dave. no, no. I think it's a like it's EF or, or you know, sorry, a VF or one of the late late oh, okay. model Commodores. I'm I'm not up with all my Commodore models, but um, it's it's you know one of the later ones for sure. And it, it's a beautiful car and it's very well presented. And his first time out, so he's just sorting out some bugs, but it, it'll be quick once he gets that. I told him just to put a spool in it and get into it, but um, he's going to sort that out. Yeah, tell but, yeah, him to uh, listen to, to our diff episode. Oh yeah, I'll get, I'll get him. I'll get him onto it. But yeah, I, you know that that sort of power. He, he put some mechanical limit slip diff in it, and he said it. it in fact, it was quite funny. He went out to qualifying, and we went. He went around turn two, and as I came out the track, he was peeling himself out of the grass. <laughs> so he he looped it on the on the second corner. So yeah, he was having having all sorts of troubles. But it was it was really terrific to get back racing again. You know, first one for the year, and the weather was perfect. And uh, Morgan Park's just a, just a great circuit. And you know, going up for the weekend at Warwick's fantastic. So we all we all had a good time. Good stuff. Good to hear. Yeah, I think uh, you're right about Brock Payne. I was pretty impressed with his. Well, he's he, he had a um, he's got a had a Nissan Silvia. He was running under two liter for oh. a year and a half or so, and that's what he started with him doing sprints. And he's been doing sprints he's, since he's fourteen or fifteen, whatever the younger right. age. And then he, he progressed into the circuit racing, and now he's upgraded from that into, um, as I said, X Jimmy Pex RX7, which are pretty quick, pretty quick car. But it's it's a, it's a very basic car. It, you know, it runs a microtech. It's got a synchro gearbox, and um, but you know, it's still still got got all the goods to to make it fast. And and he's he's, he's a champion little young fella, and uh, he's going to be a, a guy of the future. So as long as he can keep his health together, you know, he's going to he's going to be up the front all the time. Yeah, we did hear that he... Box, he was he was like a second a second or so quicker than, than Jim had ever been in the car. So that doesn't doesn't bode good for us old fellas when the young guys are coming in. Yeah, we've uh, we've heard that story before, and I guess you've probably seen it before too with, with <laughs> Zach and his performance. Um, you know, he's uh, it's it's yeah. great to see these kids are coming into the category. They're the future of our category, and it's really good to see them coming in in cars that are that are pretty quick too, and you know, being able to see their real pace. Yeah, so that's great. In terms of his health, 
Dave. We did hear that um, that he'd had some concerns. You, he's okay. He'll be back. Yeah, he's got he's got a bit of a medical you know issue just ongoing, and you know it just it just has to turn for the for the worse every now and then, which uh, puts him on guard. But yeah, he'll, he'll be back. No worries at all. He, he was he was back at work Monday morning. He's such a trooper. You know, he was in hospital Sunday thinking, you know, life's come to an end as we know it, but yeah, back at work on Monday morning. Good stuff. Well, Brock, mate, all the best, and we hope you feel better and can uh, get back on track soon. It's great to watch you race, mate. So thanks thanks for that, Dave. That was a good update, and, um, yeah, appreciate that insight. Right, other other news. So um, I wanted to have a chat about some new cars um, that are in the build. So um, it has been confirmed that that the ex-Hislop EB is in Queensland. And, yeah, Justin Wade confirmed on Facebook with photos of the car being stripped down and, and, and restored, ready to, he believes, hopefully hit the track for some testing around Christmas time or early next year in time for next year's season. So that's very exciting. Dave, did you hear any more gossip about that perhaps over the weekend? Um, I know it's back from the paint shop and it's a matter of assembly. It's probably biggest drama is waiting for an engine. Right. He's in the long list of uh, Phil Laird, get me an engine built. You know, that's about 20 people long. So <laughs> it, just, it just takes time and patience. Alas. Well, if, if you're waiting for someone to build an engine, there's probably worse people you could be waiting for. So, um, yeah, that's exciting. Um, and yeah, there's no, there's no doubt, doubt that, that Phil's one, you know, one of the best engine guys, car racing guys, body guys, everything. You know, he knows his stuff. And probably probably the worst part about Phil is he, he doesn't charge enough. So, you know, people are just uh, going to hang on and, you know, get the, get the, the 100% job done at 50% of the price. And yeah. why wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure. Well, I will say something about Phil. Though. I mean, he will he will pick his customers. Uh, ask me how I know. And um, <laughs> <laughs> Phil, mate, I'm still waiting for your callback. By the way, uh, I don't think he listens. But um, yeah, well, that's that's exciting. Uh, the he other won't one, no, nah, probably not. No, nah, not when he knows you're on, Dave. Anyway, um, so what else do we got? Oh, the new Commodore. So Justin's Commodore. Dave, did you, have you heard any gossip about that? Um, Keezy's? Yes. Uh, apparently, also, the only thing I know is that it's painted and it does have an engine, and that's all I know. All right. Well, that's positive. I guess, you yep. know, again, there's some expectation that it'll be hitting, hitting the track fairly soon too, and heaven knows, with a driver like Justin behind the wheel and another quick V8, got an exciting Nationals next year yeah, potentially. Yeah, I've said to Justin a couple of times, I want to know the first day he goes out testing that thing because I don't care what I'm doing or where I'm at, I want to be there watching. <laughs> it's just going to watch. It's just going to be fantastic to watch him melt some tyres. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good. That's exciting. Exciting to uh, be anticipating that. A few other new cars in the build, obviously. There's um, an S15 being built by Mass America down here in Adelaide, which, as I understand it, isn't that far away. Hey, I've um, seen photos geez. of it. You missed like something that I've been itching since you sent me this run sheet about some wagon. Oh yeah, you know, thanks for the reminder. Here I am jittering like a little crack fiend, waiting for you to talk about it. Been holding no, off no. asking you about it. So tell me <laughs> about the Wakefield wagon. Okay, so the Wakefield wagon is coming back. I have it on good authority. In fact, Dave, you might even know more about this, but I've 
I've heard it from a, a little birdie who's told me, uh, and I promised I wouldn't share who that person is because apparently it's quite tightly held information, that this car is going to be back on track potentially as early as, again, the Christmas or early next year type period. Yeah, there's a lot of people excited about this. I'm not sure how widely this information is known. Dave, were you aware of, of it? And if you can, can you share any more? Right. Okay, the, only, the first time I heard about the wagon coming back was reading your write-up for tonight's episode. But I can assure you that the wagon, it's nothing about the car. It was all about the driver. <laughs> no, come on, man. It was also a lead car, but out of all the other cars that Laird, were built Laird exactly the built, same. Laird has built plenty of cars. Laird has built plenty of cars, but the wagon was special because it was all about the driver. Yeah, definitely. Wayne was... Like, I've said it many times before, like, that guy would drive it like a sprint car. The inside front tyre would be in the air nearly the whole time. You know, like, just could push way over the top of the tyre and the car's ability and still hang on. Sort of Oran Park over the flip-flop, turn and rear tyres, you know, just sensational to watch. But, you know, the same it, as Zach's it, RX7. It'd be the same as me getting into... It'd be the same as me getting in uh, Ray Hustop's car you know, and, and finishing 10th. You go, yeah, well, that's not much of a car. Yeah, well, it's not the car. Mm. No, that's a fair point that you make. And I think even even if that is true, though, the fact that this iconic car will be back on track in an IP field sometime in the next, let's call it 12 months, but hopefully sooner than that, from what I've heard, that is going to if, be if a fantastic thing. Driving it, uh, if Adam will be driving yeah. it, then it'll, then it'll be something to watch. It'll be something to watch. Well, maybe he will. I'm not sure who's driving it. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. But I do know that the car is at least planning a return uh, late this year for testing, potentially for uh, for a debut next year. So, yep, you heard it here. And um, we'll see just how accurate my information is. It's awesome. comes from a pretty good source. Uh, yeah. yeah, just to see it, as you mentioned, Chris, <laughs> to see it back around improved production. I hope, I hope it's, it's still green. Amazing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's it's got to be green, surely. Anyway, got to be green. So that's 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 some exciting news. Um, as I said, there's an S14 being built down here by Max. Another S chassis. Um, hopefully it's quick. But there's also uh, a VL Walkie being built down here. Now I have a funny feeling that in one of our earlier episodes, uh, one of our South Australian guests, it was probably Chris Brown, actually mentioned that there was a walkie being built down here. Well, we've seen photos of it. Um, it's Darren Fletcher's car being built in Adelaide there, and it's going to, I believe, have an LS and a Tremec, so probably a good a good base for a car that with some development could be quick. Um, uh, Mick and I were talking before we went to air about the you know, potential weight penalties of using a an LS in, in, the, in the VL, which... I guess you'd need to consider as a as a potentially a late model chassis being hit with the weight penalty of the the engine change. So, Darren, if you're listing, I hope you thought that through. Maybe well, at least you can get it off the front wheels. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. Get you know, move the weight maybe back. Maybe only putting fifty kilos in it, and that's the weight difference. And you get to sit it next to the driver and yeah, feel yeah. the mm, floor for next sure. to the driver, and then the car's far better. But I've seen photos of the build, um, as have you now, Mick, and and I think. You'd agree it's it looks like a nice quality build that's been done properly and will oh, be good to see on track. So yeah, she's yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and a couple of cars that are for sale. Um, I just I did mention though to one uh, listener, Anton Bergman, that I'd just give a quick shout out for the fact that his E36, which is Alan Saint's old yellow E36, which 
is a pretty well-known car around Victoria, uh, is for sale uh, at a pretty pretty reasonable price. So if anyone's interested in a, a fairly solid, reliable, but um, relatively, I guess, simple E36 build, which would be a great starting point for uh, for getting into IP, then um, hit up Anton. I think it's for sale on Facebook and also Gumtree, so feel free to look it up. Right, anything else you want to talk about, fellas, before we move on? I wouldn't mind asking Dave uh, a few things about, especially the Ubergun 808. I, I was stunned to watch some of Ash's footage, Dave, and it almost looked like Adam could even out-straight line you. Fair enough, it looked like he was taking a little bit different lines off corners and getting a much better exit than you sometimes. But even off the start line, you know, I'd, I've never seen a rotary out accelerate you. So I'm I'm pretty keen to hear your thoughts on this car. Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm not known for my starts. Uh, they, were, they were a lot better on the weekend. The, the, I was a bit shocked at um, Adam's speed as well. Coming out of turn 10, heading up the hill at Morgan Park, he, he would be behind me and just pull up beside me. But um, he, he's got the Hollinger. I've got the Moderna. So, you know, gear ratio is probably just right on it. I, I sort of cruised around that corner in third gear, not really on it. Um, is that before you know, the flip flop? Has a ratio, but is that before, before the flip yeah, flop onto the straight? Is that where you're talking the right hander? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say, you know, as far as power, power, we're pretty much the same. I, I was having some some injector issues over the weekend and having some real problems with the mixture, and you know, we, we tested them this week, and uh, you know, the, the measurements of 300 milliliters per whatever seconds that Simon was doing at it. I had two three hundreds, one two twenty, and one one seventy. So that's our oh, shit. But I was, I was just, yeah, I was adjusting the mixture and just on the on the computer. Luckily enough to just throw more fuel at it, and also luckily that that each of the three hundred injectors was on one of the rotors, so I was able to get a decent amount of fuel into it. So no excuses there, but. Um, you know, Adam just uh, he just he's just a crazy driver. He just handles that car. I followed him in the first race for quite a few laps before I got past him, and and um, just watching him tip tip a car into a right hand corner, you know, just like a typical drifter, just putting it at forty five degrees, but still hooking the inside wheel over the top of the curb and and coming out at forty five degrees was just crazy to watch. <laughs> just awesome. crazy, and I and I just I'll just sit behind him till his back tires. Uh, you know, just wretched, just wrecked, and then I'll then I'll, I'll have have my move. <laughs> we want to see some video footage of this dave so i'm sure you'll post some soon and when you do let us know because we'll be watching well, yeah well actually i didn't i didn't put a camera in all weekend i just I sort of got over that the camera thing but there's there's a fair bit from ash that uh he put up there was a there was a good um uh in race four that ash put up it was a good um duel between me and adam for the first couple of laps uh, a bit of side-by-side stuff through a few corners yeah, that so, was good um, to watch. You know, mm. you, can, you can see that. I've been, I've been trying to get on the... I'll have to get back on the Brock because I asked Brock Payne if he had video footage of the first race because that was, there was so much action in that. And, you know, it was Adam going solo here in corners, but, but I'm on the outside of him or the inside of him, you know, just on, on just about every corner. So that would have been a bit of a spectacle. Mm. It, was, it was a damn fine spectacle for me sitting in the driver's seat. Yeah. Well, what we will do, um, that, that race four footage from Ash, you're right. That was, there's some good stuff in there. I'll, um, I'll link that on the, on the 
um, Facebook page for the for the podcast. So if anyone hasn't seen it, uh, just jump on the podcast Facebook page, and um, if you're listening to this, you should be able to find it. So yeah, good stuff. Now that we're done with that, let's talk to our guest Dave. Dave, again, thanks for coming on the show. And the first question for all our guests: fantasy IP car, one that you'd love to build yourself or see on track if time and money was no object, or potentially in your case, if rules were no object. Maybe we can talk a bit more about that. What is your fantasy IP car? Oh, my fantasy IP car is still I'm doing the Unos Cosmo, so I'm in the middle of that build. So I have got no fascination about any other car. Um, get get that on the grid would be awesome. It's um, you know it's not, it's not going to be IP because you know there's other there's other places to race it. Just to get it on the track will be good. What attracts you to the Cosmo? I mean, apart from obviously the the power plant that's on offer with the Cosmo. What's 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 the attraction? Is it just that it is the ultimate sort of rotary expression of speed, or I mean, what is it about a Cosmo? I'm I'm interested to know as a non-rotor guy what the attraction is. Yeah, it's it's not really to do with rotary. It's just same with the RX8. Like when I built the RX8, nobody had done one for IP, so mm-hmm. let me be the first. And and from from what I've seen, there's there's never been a Cosmo circuit racer on the planet. Mm-hmm. So you know that that's that's my incentive. Cool. I'm sure there would have been. I'm, I'm going to be the pioneer and just do it. Sorry, Mick. What was that? I'm sure there would have been a Cosmo in some Japanese touring league, but I doubt that it's a known race car. But it's only the engine, right? Can... Yeah, you're, you're probably you're probably right. I haven't I haven't seen it. I haven't uh, read. You know, I've done a lot of research. You know, there was there was a white one that was that did some laps over in Japan, but that's on YouTube. You know, there was only there was only eight thousand of them built. So. That's um, you know the fact that it's the only the only car that's released with a 20B engine. And me being a bit of a rotor guy, well, you know, all just added up. I've got to do one of these things. That's that's the bigger lure that they're they're, they're a rare car anyway. They were the flagship of the rotary, and it's got that beautiful engine in it <laughs> that we all want to hear. Oh well, you you're just never going to hear it. On and that, I refuse though, to believe that. I I can't believe that it's a forever thing that the Cosmo will never get in. Like, I don't, I can't believe that it's not going to be, a, well, especially look, if you build one like you are. It, it, it's not going to, it's not going to get in by me. Well, that, I can tell you that much. So, you know, if, if we're not yeah, so much the democratic society in IP, you know, the majority seem to want it in, but you know, there's just a few that, uh, you know, until this day, I've never been told an actual technical reason that it shouldn't be on the grid. It was more emotional than technical, but anyway, that's just what it is. Is isn't is it Don't not get me started. Yeah, no, well I do want to get you started. So isn't the technical reason is it doesn't meet touring car spec in cabin to car size, right? That one dimension that is extremely freaking annoying. You no, it doesn't meet the measurements. Yeah, it doesn't meet the measurements. Yet uh, a Nissan Silvia, which does, is most obviously meet, a sports car, gets in. It's stupid. Mick, Mick, David's no, trying to tell you it does, it does meet the measurements. It does <laughs> meet the measurements. I had a um, an official cam scrutineer come and measure it, and it it's well within the measurements. So then, it's, is it because it's not an Australian sold car? Correct. Yeah. And and the reading I was that there there was not enough imported. Uh, it was going to be too expensive. And the best one of all was it wouldn't fit our category. Yeah. Right. 
So, so even though that we've got an absolutely astronomically stupid gap between three and a half litre cars and six litre cars, that none of them fit the category really, but they're allowed, no worries. <laughs> yeah, it's, I hate our category splits yeah, well. in class. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense anymore. It did a long time ago in, in the mm. 90s, but now it's... I don't know. I just can't well, believe people what? can't see the positives of letting in such an iconic car that isn't going to be oh. a Hislop beater, Nevalone. It wouldn't be faster than your RX-3 at most tracks. No, absolutely no chance. And, and you know, IP's mission statement is to get as a bigger variety of vehicles on the grid as possible. I felt the new mission statement was to be exactly halfway between boring production cars and over-the-top stupid sports sedans. I thought that was the, <laughs> the new mission anyway. Well, it depends on who you talk to, and I think, I, think, I think the issue that was flagged in the statement you made earlier, Dave, was, you know, it doesn't fit the category. And, and, and to, your, to your point, Mick, being halfway between sports sedans and proddies, right, both of those statements are sort of subjective views on what our category should and shouldn't be. And it's interesting, I think, you know, while we're talking about this, conversations that, Mick, you and I have had in in different forums with different people where there is confusion between, you know, who you talk to as to what this category is about. What is it about? Mm -hmm. What are we about? What's the vision of IP? And everyone seems to have a different view as to what that might be but probably one of the better ones and i'm not gonna um mick you know who 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 said this but i'm I, I won't i won't out them on this program but probably one of the best statements of what the category should be is are we you know a step up from proddies are we some sort of stepping stone category for people who want to well maybe spend a bit more or do a bit more engineering than proddies but not quite sports sedans or are we a hot rod class are we a class where you buy, you, you bring in a car that you love and you build it into something as, as mentally fast as it can be? And if that's the case, then, you know, you can't be this half-pregnant proddy spec class because, you know, obviously proddy spec, the proddy rules prefer certain types of car, don't they? And I think they're trying to, exactly what you're talking about, yes. they're trying to blend those two views. People, because no one wants to commit to a direction. Which which seems to me, and again, this is just my objective view here, it seems to me that we're, we're kind of trying to walk a tightrope uh, and, 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 and we're really not landing either side of it. You know, it's 3JA is the hot rod class. So if you want to, you know, just mm -hmm. buy something like a, like a 79 Mazda 323 that had some shitty little 1300cc... 42 horsepower engine in it and, and put it put a turbocharged beast in it and, and then try and, and get it around the it down. crashing yeah. right <laughs> you, can, you can do that but only if the car is pre-86 right and and, just by the way the 42 horsepower standard one would have beaten that turbo one every single race yes yes thank you i appreciate <laughs> that sir and uh and 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 if i could disagree with you i would but i can't and uh and and frankly it would have been it would have been it would have taken less time off my life too, in terms of fear and anxiety, you know, near-death experiences uh, aside. So, but again, if you want to build a hot rod, it's got to be pre-86, yep. and again, something that's been sold in Australia or Group A homologated. So, if it's post-86, you know, that's that's when we've got some yeah, of these got to buy sort the right of, got to buy yeah, the right and 
and and also then there there have been these sort of exceptions made for some of the grey cars, and again, you know, the, the I think the, the 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 message here is that there are elements of the IP community who do not understand the the clear reasoning behind why certain cars have been allowed in, and certain cars haven't, and and very biased that there's say I think it's six Nissans are being let in specifically. And only one of them's any good yeah. in the class. You know, like it doesn't seem right. The Mirage, I get why it's been led in because it was part of their Cyborg series that they yeah, made. yeah, and then, and then they merged in as under two liter cars, and like that's a smart move to let mm. them in. But it, I don't understand why the Skylines are in when the rules were never going to let the Skyline be good. You mm. know, the thirty two was the only viable option of. The good skylines and they're too expensive to build in race cars. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. it's, yeah. Anyway, I know we're digressing a lot, but yeah. it is kind of wrapped around the Cosmo question. Is that I feel that there is unjustified resistance to this car that hasn't got the end game of what that car could be at its maximum potential in its thought process of allowing it in or not. It's all yeah. around something else that I don't understand really. But I believe that cars should be evaluated whether or not they're just going to wipe the floor or not. So like obviously a nine, like a 911 or something, it doesn't matter how many times you put a proposal in, it's going to get a no mm. because it's just going to be too fast. Yeah, an interesting question was put to me at one of our meetings and that was, why would you want to build one of them? And I simply responded, because I want to. Yeah, perfect. It's got nothing to do with speed. It's got nothing to do with winning trophies or whatever. I just want to build one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think again, you know, there's it comes back to that question again. You know, are we a hot rod class, or are we some sort of, you know, stepping stone between? But even the hot between... rod class statement, Chris, we're still bound to suspension pickup points with a tiny yep. bit of freedom, yep. and you know. We're still a full sedan car, really. Yeah. A little bit of driver's floor we can modify. A little bit of gear, gearbox tunnel, massage, let's call it, and boxing to get around linkages or whatever. Mm-hmm. But generally, we're, we're an OEM chassis car. Yep. And the geometry limitations that the OEM put in the car, when I say limitations, I mean per perfect... Um, geometry that you'd want when you change the ride height and change mm-hmm. wheel offsets and all that sort of stuff so you know like let's say the vt commodore doesn't have a rear end issue if it's four and a half meters in the air you know but you know getting it down and trying to get some center of gravity out of the car then you've got the the payoff of terrible geometry in the rear end you know mm-hmm. so and i like that about it even though we're still out of hot rod and chain stuff, I like that you have to be clever and careful yeah. about what you modify. I think that's smart because I don't want sports sedans, but I don't want production cars. I don't want you to have to buy an HSV or turn a normal car into an HSV yes. to make it a good model. I don't like that you have to buy a Sylvia because it's got the right weight and power for our category. It's very good because mm. it makes it seem like a limited type of class where there's only a small handful of cars that are going to be any good to invest in. Yeah. But if you go back to the, 
you know, late 80s or early 90s of production racing when, you know, the, the Supras and the RX-7s, I'm talking about the, I think, the pre-FD, the FC RX-7s were racing those boxy Supras back in the day, All right? Now, if you took what would have been, what, a car, if you, if you took a, um, you know, a, a 1986 Nissan Bluebird and chucked it on that track, it would have been, it would have been destroyed, you know, yes. by, by, um, by the competition. Yep. Whereas you could take that car and put it in club cars and modify it to the extent of the rules and it could win a national championship. I'm, and, and, and and you can't do that today. So you know, I'm that's... glad you've said that point. So that's what I've always said is the the essence of what club car made club cars so cool is turning a 120Y into as fast as a Sylvia, you know. So I love that you made that point. And I feel that improved of improved production should relate to when people want to think of it is being able to turn a nanospec car that's sold from Nissan or whoever you know whatever like you said the let's say a Bluebird TRX that had that horrible 2.4 front wheel drive wheel but you should be able to turn it into as good as whatever else was sold as a standard form like you're saying a Supra or a 86 RX-7 of the same era that's what the goals of our class should be and that's what I think has pulled on the emotional memories and and eras gone by of people that love this category and that's mm. why so many people still build pre-86 cars Yeah, because you can do that. Yeah, for sure. Interesting discussion but we should probably move on fellas because we've got a lot of other stuff to cover with Dave on the, on the show. Aside from the Cosmo question, there is I guess another question I could ask you around fantasy cars and that is to talk about any other car currently circulating in ip in australia is there one car anywhere in australia that you would love to have a drive of and why would that be but honestly i have no desire to drive any other car than my rx3 because i i just think it's the best i i look at other cars maybe maybe chris brown's a86 would be Looks like a lot of fun. He calls it angry. He, he, he says it's a handful to drive, and, and sometimes it looks like it, although he, he tends to drive but, it pretty straight. Yeah, but also remember, well, Chris, if, he, if you're listening, he did mention that when the tuner put in the, the boost control per gear to try and calm it down, he came running in saying, turn that crap off. I want to feel it angry. So he might say and complain it's angry, but he wants it like that. Oh, I, I didn't hear him complaining. It's, it's, I, got to, it's got to have loose springs in the back of it, and I'll, and I'll be in it. There you go. Well, well, the Sprinter doesn't. But anyway, I mean, it, it would be a fun car to drive, I agree. No, no, no. It's coil coil rear with falling. Oh. oh, well, I'm out. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, talk us through, I mean, the RX-8. I mean, we'll, we'll, well, we can talk a little bit more about this in a sec. So, I mean, maybe before we get to that, Dave, tell us a bit more about who you are and, and where you're from and what you do outside of racing. And then we'll get into the, to, to the history of, of you in race cars. Yeah, all right, mate. I've been, I've been around for a while. I was, I was born at Parramatta. So I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm about a third or fourth generation Aussie. I've got, I've got relatives, great-great-grandfather bought it um, in uh, Launceston down in Tassie. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I might have, might have stolen that for a bit years ago. I'm not sure. But anyway, I've been um, yeah, electrician. I've uh, been running my own electrical business for 31 years now. I've got uh, both my sons in the business, so that's that's just fantastic with the, with the lads. Outside of work, being grandfather's fantastic. 
Uh, the boys are playing their bit and uh, getting some more offspring. Uh, play a bit of golf, do a bit of running, and a bit of travelling, and that and that's me. So there was some. I, I remember watching some some vision. I think it was posted by the IP Club a few years ago about how you got into the to to the category, uh, Dave. And from recollection, it was about it was around you doing some work for someone and then getting a getting a drive in a race car as as part part payment for some work you did. Maybe you can tell us about how you got into racing and is that story true? Yeah, that, that is true. That's how I got into IP. I, I did um, I did start racing. Oh, when I was a young fellow, my father signed me up in a car club because he was a bit concerned about well-being. I was a bit of a bit of a rebel, and he thought I needed to learn how to handle a car, so he put me into a car club, and that's what spawned my uh, motor racing type stuff. But I was in sports sedans from '98 to 2003. Um, then I had a break, just family stuff, and then um, yeah, Matty Cliff, who runs Morgan Park Performance, he was. He used to be Bonza Automotive down here in Brisbane. A mobile mechanic had a workshop, and uh, he decided to move up to Warwick. And um, I knew him pretty well, and, and I wired up his shed in his house in exchange for a couple of years of driving a car of his. So I used to just turn up with my helmet. It was it was absolutely fantastic, and he just to supply the car. But Matty was one of the one of the nicest blokes, and that you'd ever meet. One of the, one of the hardest workers. He often said to me that sleep was overrated because there was quite a there was a couple of times where the car was busted on on Saturday and he would work all night and you know we'd just turn up at the track for me on Sunday morning ready to race and I'd ask him how much sleep he's had he'd go I got an hour <laughs> and away we go he, he was just a machine and that was good we you know I won I won the um, over two league cans championship in 2007 in his car so it was it was it was a bad vehicle is that one of the the VX Commodores, that was that that was it no, the no, two brothers of the Clift a, runs, right? No, no, that's uh, that's another that's Daniel Clift and his father. Uh, this is another another Clift altogether. Oh right. Uh, Matt's, Matt's he drives Historics. He's got an RX2. He's got uh, a couple other guys drive RX2s. Uh, Group MC. Um, so I, the car I I leased off him or he gave me was a four door RX3 or 808 with a rotary in it. So you know we played with that, and that sort of kept me going in the in the rotary thing because I to, to make that car go faster, I used to buy bits. You know, got a fill lead manifold. He put this on Matt. You know, got a good diff here. Put this on Matt, make me go faster. And then at the end of our two-year deal, and then I thought, well, I've got all these bits. What do I do with them? And well, I've got to go and buy another rotary to put them on. So um, Simon Odell Fontana had a had the white coupe in his shed and he's um, offered that for me to, to, to buy, which I did. So, and, and I just kept going on from there. And so that was what, 2008, 2009? When was that? Yes. Yeah, 2008. I got um, I got uh, Simon's car and then, then it was costing me money. So uh, away we went from there and, and I was just doing it. Matty Cliff was still building engines for me, but he was up at Warwick and then um, I sort of found more that Simon was a bit of a, bit of a um, rotary knowledgeable fella so I got in to um, sort my stuff out and uh, he's been great. Very good and the so I guess the development of that car over the years Dave I mean part of that process included the I guess the skinny 12A talk us through how the development process went with the RX3 
since you've owned it and I guess the steps you've taken to, to make it, you know, well, it's now a two-time national championship winning car? Yes, yes. Look, it's, um, that's, that's actually the second version because uh, me being me, I my two boys, I decided to give them 12 months each of racing the car and I would just bring it out for them and here's your helmet. Come on, kid, get in there and have some fun. And um, boy number two, uh, I was really just pointing out Lakeside. He'd never been Lakeside before racing, or you know, doing some laps. And on the Friday, you know, on the on his third session out there, he was doing 58 second laps, which would have put him in the top three of our category at the time. And I was so looking forward to the weekend, but then he came down, came down from the Eastern Loop down on the main straight, and just me scudge a bit, hit a bit of dirt on the outside, and anyway, put the car wow. in the wall and put the uh, front left shock tower back about 200 mil. Oh. So when, when I came over to him and he got out and he was a very apologetic, you know, actually, I got the in-car footage of it and he turned to the camera and he went, he just said, oh, sorry, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I come over and I said, oh, I'm really cranky. He went, oh, look, I'm really sorry. I said, look, I'm not worried about the car as long as you're all right, but you did just spoil the weekend because we were going to have a cracker. Yeah. So I then, um, Jimmy Peck had a, had a coupe before he built his RX-7. So I ended up buying that shell off him. So it, uh, I just fucked all the bits over, and she got resurrected. So when was that, Dave? Uh, that would have been uh, 2014. Actually, it was it was in the process of getting resurrected, and I just it sort of sat in the corner corner because had the RX8 by then. And then when Simon came up with the, this idea of making a, a under two liter um, 12A, I thought, oh, that'd be something to do. So. Dusted off the tools and got the car all painted up and um, put back together quick smart and away we went from there. That was 2014. With the first time it, it turned a wheel was down at um, Wakefield Park at those nationals. I was going to say that's I remember it at the nationals. Skinny 12A, beautiful brand new paint job on it. Yep, yeah, it was good. So talk us through the, the Skinny 12A. So how is it to drive and and perhaps you can describe to those who have some experience with 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 race built. 13Bs, for example, what's 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 it like to drive, and how's it different? I guess it's going to have less power, but in terms of driving it, well, honestly, it was it was no different. It just had you know it's only a pretty less horsepower, but um, everything seemed to do the same. It was probably a bit smoother power band because it was peripheral port, not bridge ported. Seemed to be able to tune that a lot better. Um, we couldn't rev it as hard because we'd only we just run the carbon apex seals to look after the housings because the twelve way housings are. Uh, rare as rock and all ships, so um, rather than running ceramics, um, so you know we couldn't couldn't take it over nine half or something like that. Um, but and, but other than that, it was you know pretty much exactly the same. It was I think it was twenty kilos lighter as well, so you know that that always helps. Nice. What are your thoughts in in terms of its competitiveness or its capacity to to win against some of the I guess the Honda powered cars? I think, uh, like, at 2016, down at Phillip Island Nationals, I came third behind um, Coxie and... Uh, um, Jowett. Yeah, Bobby. Bobby, yeah. Yep. And, you know, they were very quick cars. I, I was probably a second lap slower, but I, I felt that, um, you know, after seeing Zach drive it, you know, somebody with a bit more youth and uh, exuberance might might actually get it around a lot quicker. And I could tell, you know, straight line speed, I was, I was quicker, but the Hondas definitely had it better. You know, out of corners, and um, mm. um, I wasn't too bad in the, in the long corners, but yeah, the tight stuff they were they were pretty good. So, uh, you know, Barber Yellow, we had the um, um, Gellin's Black Escort, which was which a weapon, but once again, beautiful loose sprung rear end. 
Yeah. Uh, there, there was a Honda in there. I think uh, he came, I think the Honda came third. So, you know, that was that was a, a really good weekend for me because I didn't go there with any expectations whatsoever. And, and even through the heats, I was still looking, you know, top three, top three. But as it turned out, I got a bit of pace into it. And, and um, Gillen had a bit of a malfunction. So we started from the back, back of the grid. And by the time we got through, I was sort of out and gone. And he... he he was catching me, but he just never got there. So, uh, Grant, yeah. uh, now it was, no, was think, good. I think honestly, you know, it's it's probably somewhere like uh, Wakefield Park being tight and twisty because of the suspension, you know, sort of struggles. But then, you know, I look at the way Jordan can get a get the twelve hundred around uh, Wakefield Park when he was testing for Bathurst, you know, and the, the times he was doing that was just unbelievable. So, I think, uh, you know, somebody with a bit more technical. Suspension setup ability and a bit more exuberance might, um, you know, it'd be. Uh, I think it'd be right there. Sure. Now you mentioned the RX8. Tell us about when you built that, uh, and maybe why you built it, and how uh, that compared to to say the RX3. I mean, completely different vehicles. Clearly. Yeah, I, I built the RX8 in um, 2013. Its first its first event was uh, like I built it in 2012. So its first event was. Bathurst 12 hour in 2013. So, um, yeah, it was once, once again just my stupidity. You know, no one's ever done it. Okay, I'm going to do it. And I, I sort of I crunched some numbers and went, oh, this could, this could be okay. You know, what, what it lacks in a bit of power, it's going to make up for handling and, and braking with the bigger wheels and tyres and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the platform of the RX8 was, you know, some of the cornering at its cornering ability at, at Flowing circuits like Phillip Island, which is, I never found another car when I drove around there that, that could keep up around the you know the four big sweepers. Yep. It, su- it certainly suffered out of the tight the stop go corners where you needed some acceleration, had lacking power to pull the weight. But you know it, it turned out you know it, it was um, certainly a top three car up in Queensland, and I raced it at the uh, when it was 2013 nationals at Morgan Park, came seventh in that. So you know it wasn't too bad. It was. But the difference between the RX-8, you know, I, I could go to Morgan Park and I could do 20 laps in it and I could just, you know, come in and fill up and do another 20 laps and yeah, do yeah. another 20 laps. And you get in the RX-3 and you do five laps and go, holy shit, I need a break. And that's, <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah, you know you're alive. Yeah, once I got the RX-3 back out and, yeah, I got the RX-3 back out again and, you know, doing a couple laps going, oh, this is living. <laughs> <laughs> so... Then you decided to sell the RX-8 just because, I mean, was it was it boring or did you just want to focus on, 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 on the pleasure you got out of, I guess, you know, having to work for it a bit harder? Yeah, I did. I, I probably, you know, you, you can always say you, you always give 100% in a race car. Um, yeah, I, I probably got to say the RX-8 was boring. You know, you, you flog, you, whether, it's, whether, the, whether it's the slow car you've got to flog or it's the fast car, you still flog it. You're just flogging everything, so... You know, whether you ring it, you know, you you ring the neck out of out of absolutely everything. But as I said, once I got the R, since I put the RX3 back on the track in 2014, I went, oh, I'm getting rid of the RX8. This is awesome. Yeah. I'm going back in the three. This is uh, get your get your heart pumping. Good stuff. Interested. We talked a little bit about the tw- the skinny 12A and some of your experiences racing in unders. Keen to understand, you know, when you when you're going back and forth, and I know you've done a bit of this, changing engines back and forth, going. Uh, back to overs and, and 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 unders from time to time. What's the difference? Your car's pretty similar. You you mentioned in terms of how you drive it, bit bit less weight, lo, less power with a skinny twelve A, but it drives similarly. 
but then experiencing those two different fields in what is essentially, you know, largely the same car. What do you see as the main differences when you're racing in the two categories? And and and, and I guess I might ask you what you prefer. Well, look, I, I I didn't mind either category. I you know, if I was down in New South Wales, the under two liter under two liter would be good. But um, you know, I did all of 2017, and I I, I won the state under two liter championship in the car. But tail and bend, that really ended my under two liter urge because I just did those 12 laps in that final, and then I got out of the got out of the car, went up on the top of the tower, and watched 56 over two liter guys battle it out, and I was watching a dice, you know, for four years close, and, mm. and I thought that's where I want to. That's where I prefer. I prefer to be dicing for 40th rather than doing a, a 12 lap, you know, solo yep. sprint. There just there just seems to be more numbers. You know, it's just more of a challenge. You know, just just better ra- better to race. You know, it doesn't spread out as much just just because of the numbers, I suppose. Yeah, it's a fair call. I mean, you, you're not going to have the biggest fields uh, in unders in Queensland, but yeah, I mean, New South Wales tend to generate pretty good numbers and good good competition too. We just talked about Kurt and Jason and and some of the others who've who who are showing good pace. But yeah, I'm I hear what you're saying in terms of you know the rest of the country where where we're running combined fields. That's it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. As I said, I prefer I prefer to die to fortieth and than win by you know half a lap because that's just I just find that boring. Yeah, fair and, enough. You know, I, I, in some of the best races, everybody will tell you is when they start up in the back of the grid and come through because that's you know that's what you're there for. Yeah, you're there for racing and defending and passing and doing all that sort of stuff. That's that's, that's well, when, what it's all about. When when you and I were playing a couple of years ago at Wakefield, having a good ding-dong battle, as people would have said. I, it wasn't until at the end of the race I even realised what positions we were all in. Like, it's not because I didn't know that we are third exactly. and fourth or whatever it was, or second and third. It, see, I don't even remember what it was now. It didn't matter. The point is that it didn't matter because we were so intensely trying to play on each other's strengths, <laughs> not, not give us weakness, you know, not show weaknesses in other areas and then, you know, and we had a lot of to and throw playing around, and it's those kind of races that you you don't even think where you are in the field. And I like I like that point, Dave. That you know, like improved production as a whole should be a race for anyone wherever you are in the field, and that's what our rules should do, and they usually well, do. That's, that's absolutely right. You know, not everybody wants to win, but. But for, for somebody to win, somebody's got to come second. And for somebody to come second, somebody's got to come third, and somebody's got to come last. And if everybody wanted to win and they couldn't, you know, you, you'd end up having, you know, two or three car fields. You've just got to have the mindset to go and enjoy, hope you get somebody to play with, and, uh, you know, have a great weekend and, and not do any damage and drive it back on the trailer. You know, that's, yep. that's to me, just, just a fantastic weekend. Yeah, for sure. David. For me to say when I'm, like, running 1-2 up in Queensland... <laughs> well, yeah, but you had to fight for it. I mean, you know, and, and so you had someone to race with. And I think, you know, you mentioned that even if, you know, Adam hadn't turned up and pushed you, you know, you had Kyle who probably, but for a bit of bad luck, could have been at the front. Drew showed a bit of pace coming through the field. And once he's got that thing sort of got the bugs ironed out of it, it's going to be pretty quick. Obviously, Zach wasn't around on the weekend and you probably, I'm, I'm guessing, probably would have been chasing him 
if he'd turned up and, and everything was going well. You know, Brock had some issues, obviously wasn't able to finish off. But And even Ash was showing some speed. I mean, you know, that that's so you're going to have someone to race against more than likely. And it's nice to win under those circumstances where you know you have to earn it. I mean, I think that's I think that's the message I'm hearing from you and I totally get it. I mean, it's, it's no it's no fun to to win a two or a three horse race, but it's it's a lot more fun to come second or third when you expect to come sixth in a 50 horse race. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And the other the other good thing I I personally like is is even I'm, I'm an electrician, I just I like to work on the cars, I like to build the cars myself and I like to go out there and, and the car performs well and then I give myself a pat on the back and uh, I'm quite happy with my achievement and no matter no matter where I come in the race just just looking at that that sort of aspect of the uh, the racing uh, just just uh, lightens me up well, that's one of the great things about IP2 if you if you you get the satisfaction of the engineering not just the driving too you know because you know the best cars to be quick need to be engineered well you know um a good driver can only do so much with a with an average car so yeah i know i know how that feels well i don't know how it feels to win winning one yet but <laughs> not not in this category but um oh, you'll yeah get, you'll get there you'll get there uh we'll see that's, um that's the, i'm built i'm building the cosmo to to ip specs because i think it's a it's a good it's a good bible to to run off you know it's, it's a it's a reasonable set of rules that you can economically build a car you, you know if, I, if you go sports van that's just endless mm. you know so it's it's a good um good well, you don't even to, need the cosmo to, car on to and, start with anything if you're building a sports van, right. it's now it's just full fiberglass shell right. over the top of a chassis so there's no cosmo involved at all yeah, so, yeah. that's right mm. and the budget could be just endless and it depends on how you you pull the strings back to to reframe yourself from you know buying all the Transaxles and all that sort of stuff. Whereas, you know, IP rules that you can you can basically go down the records and get bits and pieces and, and just make it happen and get the thing on the track and improve it improve it from there. So you know, it's a it's a it's a great category. It's a, and it's a great set of rules. Couldn't agree more. You I, neither of us had, neither of us had object <laughs> to that. I mean, obviously, we've all got rules we might change. But maybe we yeah, won't talk about yeah, that right but, now either. But in, <laughs> in general, there's a there's a good reason why we love this category so much, yeah. and you know, and we've spoken about it before, Chris. It's the reason why we are driven to do this podcast is because we love the category that much. Yep. We love talking about cars, and we love the beer and bullshit side of it too. Yep, for sure. Yep. And that's what we're doing here. <laughs> what you got to do is go down to Wakefield Park and go out for dinner with Shad and his mate Moses. They're excitable young lads and they're well they're not young, you know what I mean? They're they're they they're a lot of fun yep. to be with. I, I like Shad and Moses, they're they're top oh. guys. Yeah. I, I don't think we've got yep. many bad people in our category. Obviously there's gonna be different personalities that people don't get along with, but like, I can't remember a race meeting that I haven't had a good conversation, having a laugh with someone after a race, whether it be good, bad, disappointing, or amazing race. You know, everyone wants to talk and have fun. And I find that the conversation side of it, like I said, the beer and bullshit is, you know, it's a social interaction that right now we're not having, you know, which is yep. annoying, but, you know, like it's something that is. Uh, 
very much look forward to for me, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Good getting back up to Morgan Park, for, you know, after so long. Apart from um, our social distancing, I don't think I've shaken so many hands and kicked so many cheeks in all my life. <laughs> not, not seeing anybody for 12 months. <laughs> well, it's, it's one thing I was going to ask you about a bit later, but well, I guess we can talk about it now. The, the Queensland club, Dave, I mean, it seems like a pretty tight group. It seems like a pretty solid club. Um, tell us about your experience with IP Queensland and, and how you find being a part of that that community and, and, and I guess, you know, people out there who are thinking about maybe coming along and checking out IP uh, in Queensland as a, as a potential category they might be interested in, why, why would they do that? Tell, tell us about it. So the, oh, definitely the, the Queensland group, you know, husbands and wives and drivers and partners or whatever, absolute champion bunch of people, you know, and we, we'd go up to work for the weekend and you'll just, you'll just see us all in groups at the pubs having dinner. Uh, everybody's talking to everybody, you know, just a really good, friendly, friendly group of people. So we've, we've got quite a few guys in there that uh, if any new people come in, you know, they'll be chewing your, chewing your ear off, telling you all the good stuff, of what the category is all about, helping you out with cars. Um, you know, it's just, it's just endless. There's, there's no, there's no curtains up, you know. No blind shut. It's all it's all open. It's, it's good. Seem to me also to be a lot of really knowledgeable people around the category who can help work through problems, help you develop cars, that sort of thing. The cars seem to be really well presented. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think that uh, everybody drives everybody else, and um, to to improve and put the cars on on keep more clean and tidy and and looking smick. And uh, you know, there's there's always a competition to go quicker. But but generally, you know, we don't we don't have any any ruffians or you know, all the ca- all the cars are ex- excellent up here. We, I think uh, we've got some really top shelf equipment up here. It just makes makes the category look good. And and every time uh, we go at racing, uh, you hear the guy in the PA, and you know now now the next race is one of our favourite categories for the spectators. Improved production, so you know, tells tells a lot. Sure. I'm not Sorry, too man. sure about this ruffian comment. Come on. That's <laughs> half the field of New South Wales just got it. <laughs> well, half my people just got it. Got offended, did, Dave. <laughs> did, did I say did I say Mike Anderson or Matthew? Did I say anything? No, I didn't say that, did I? No. <laughs> Yeah, we 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 got we got a we got a, a broader church in New South Wales, I think. Yeah, definitely, that's that's a good good way to describe it. Chris, <laughs> all good people, all good people. Dave Morgan Park. So we did have a chat with Drew on an earlier episode about the fact that you guys have been doing a lot of racing at Morgan Park, and this year, obviously, even with the pandemic, but even without it, the the plan was to do an entire year at Morgan Park. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Would you like to see some racing at other places? I know Ipswich, apparently there are some issues with sanctioning bodies and promoters and also Lakeside, obviously, some, some more intractable issues with, with local residents and noise and what have you. But how is it, I guess, at you know, with Morgan Park and would you like to be able to maybe have more opportunities at places like Ipswich and Lakeside? Um, well, John Tedley runs uh, Lakeside NQR and... He, he's a really good, smart businessman, and he looks after his his regulars. So you know, they have categories like production cars or whatever who front up at the uh, at his meetings to say what we want for the year, and they say we want six rounds, blah blah blah. You know, and there's a pecking order. So 
IP comes in and we say, oh, we want one at Lakeside and one at QR. And, they, and John goes, well, well, you're not a big money spinner, so we'll put you at the bottom of the list and we'll give you the slots. So mm. that, that's sort of how that works. Morgan Park, I, I could just race there all the time. It's, it's, it's a, a great circuit. It's a good mixture of, you know, fast and slow, undulating. Um, you know, it's a great weekend away. It's like Goulburn. You know, I, I, I consider Wakefield Park and, and Morgan Park exactly the same. You know, it's all about the half about the weekend away as well as, you know, staying at Goulburn and, and um, meeting up with everybody in the pubs and all that sort of stuff. So, and the track at Wakefield Park's good. Morgan Park's probably a bit better. I've got a bit more speed into it. Queensland Raceway to me is just, uh, it's just so boring. You know, it's just, there's a couple of good corners, but it's, you know, drag strip after drag strip after drag strip. But then again, Lakeside. Lakeside is probably, to me, one of my favourite driving circuits. That's when when you're doing a when you're on a good lap around Lakeside, you you really know you're alive because it's you know there's still the old Armco. There's no gravel pits, runoff areas, and as I said, my son rode a car off there, and it's uh, some of the back section when you come out of Caraton and go up over the top of the hill under the bridge down in Hungary is just on the edge, and it's mm. it's just brilliant. As far as the noise, you know that. John Tetley, you know, he, he was getting fined from the council because they've got a uh, noise meter there and the noise meter takes a picture of your car, emails it to the Pine Rivers Council, then they have a look at it and they email it back to John Tetley at Lakeside and go, here's a problem. And if he doesn't fix it, he gets like a $5,000 fine. Well, we've got a few yeah. fines him and well, that's if I'm going to stop racing. But it's not his fault. It's just the competitors and I've seen them. You know, they, they, they get a decibel test of each car and these, these guys will be arguing about it's not too loud, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I've got I've got my own made lakeside exhaust system, which which is my standard exhaust system, but two extra mufflers across the back under the bumper bar. Yeah. And people have complained about how quiet it sounds like an electric car, but that's just what you've got to do. And, and yeah. you know, suck it up and do it, and you get to race at lakeside. Yeah, because that's the price to pay to get on a track like that. And I was going to say, your son's not the only one to have written a car off at that point. Um, there's plenty of better better drivers than your son who've, who've, who've come to grief there. It's 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 a track that doesn't forgive mistakes in certain in certain areas. But again, I think that's part of the fun of it, or at least, you know, if you talk to people who spend a lot of time racing there, they, they talk about the fact that it's a risk-reward track and, you know, the, the flowing nature of it. It's certainly great to watch racing there, so... I mean, I get that. It's a bit of a shame, I guess, in a sense that 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 you know, it would seem that the track is you know less accessible to racing now than it used to be. Uh, I don't know. Maybe things will change. Maybe not. But um, yeah. I'm, so I mean, it's good though that I guess if if you had to have one of those three tracks as a track that you'd race at all the time, Morgan Park probably isn't a bad one then, huh? Well, that's right. Yeah. As far as Lakeside, if you want to race Lakeside, you you can go there. You just it just IP sort of doesn't go there as a category in the whole. But there's other, you know, sports sedans or the touring cars or whatever. But the the big problem is when the entries come out, these these guys fill that entry up within an hour. You know, they're, they're yeah. so keen to get there. You've, you've got to try and get their foot in the door, and, and you know, it's a real battle. That's that's how much it's loved. And you know, as I said, John Tetley's good businessman. That, that place is run just about seven days a week, so it's, it's yeah. not like it's a, a you know out on its own and hardly ever gets used. It's it's flat out all the time. You just right. Just got to keep the noise levels down, and and as I said, he he supports his his main customers, which you know we all do in business. Yeah, fair enough too. So, 
moving back to, I guess, IP more broadly, Dave, IP around the country, uh, who's who's impressing you at the moment in IP? Who who do you see as, as, um, as those competitors who, both from a driving standpoint and or sort of like an engineering and car prep standpoint, who, who do you think is demonstrating some real ability uh, driving engineering cars around the country at the moment? Um, look, I don't, I don't think he's got to do an IP anymore, but Harrison Cooper really impressed me when he was in the Integra. I thought he's just a standout quality driver. Also, as I mentioned before, Brock Payne up here, he's, mm-hmm. he, I think he's only 18 years old and he's, um, he, he's going to come a long way, so he, he's really good. As far as entertainment, you can't go past... Macker and Chris Thomas, for me, <laughs> they're probably the, the best to watch either in-car videos or, you know, sitting on the side of the track. Those two bullfeds, they're just, they're just you know, a class above. A um, couple of really good steerers. And Ed Brown, he's probably the other guy that I'm really impressed with. I think I think he's a real hard charger and I, I enjoy watching his stuff as well. Engineering-wise, yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not right up in the field of all that sort of stuff. You know, everybody does their own thing and got people helping them so you know, I, don't, I don't know too much around that and dave i guess that's more or less it though but before we finish up anyone you'd really like to thank family sponsors people who help with the car friends um i'd like to thank my wife jackie she she's my number one supporter she comes to all the events whether you know we're on road trips going to going over to barbagello or Taylor Bend, all that sort of stuff so that's that's fantastic um Look, Simon O'Dell Fontana, I can't say enough about this fellow. He's probably my last 10 years of racing wouldn't be the same without this guy. He just, you know, I'll, I'll come up and suggest something and he basically slapped me across the face again. You're not doing that. And he, he's not only building my motors, but, you know, I've, I've just had my car around there fixing up the injectors, as you know, and then he, he just installed a uh, four-wheel wheel alignment machine so I thought oh let's get this done and then I get there and he says there's a list on your windscreen and what's that he says well we've had a look at your car and you need new rotors you've got a gearbox leak you've got a diff leak you've got this that 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 and this and I went well geez it's bloody good bringing the car around here because I don't know anything about that so you know he, he's, he's an absolute champion good stuff well, how about your kids Dave are they going to um, are they going to get into racing uh, well, I gave him the taste. Todd, Todd boy number two, got heavily into drifting when he was a young fellow, and he was um, he was quite good at it. But uh, as as all happens to us, when you're just on income and you have a family, that sort of curtails all that spending. Uh, both of, both of my boys, I found racing my car. Like Luke, the oldest boy, he he can put in a really good lap time, real really fast. But when it comes to dicing and racing, he's, he's probably more. Well, you go through first. Whereas Todd, Todd, the one that crashed it, he was not quite as fast, but made on coming through no matter what's in my way. So it was a real <laughs> mixture. But I, I got to say, when I was when I was in the pits, it, it was equally enjoyable as driving myself, as being in the pits watching one of your boys drive one of your cars. And there was there was more work I, I did on those cars over the weekend, adjusting things, than when I race it myself. Because when I race it myself, I just get out and sit down and I think about it next week. I said I can concur on that when I'm okay. working with um, kids in karting and race cars. I have to um, tape the dad's hands behind their back so they stop touching stuff. You know, <laughs> they just want to tinker all the time and change things. And You know, it's like, stop, the car's good, it's fine. <laughs> Let him drive it. <laughs> and I've got a daughter as well, and it was going to be her turn for 12 months. 
But after after Todd's crash and I had the in-car footage and he didn't have a harms device by the time then and when he hit the wall head on, it uh, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't very nice to look at in slow motion. And she looked at it and my and my wife looked at it and went, well, that's just not happening. And, she, and my daughter went, no, I don't think I'll do it either. But, but she lets you in she, the car. She's not a bad driver. She. Your wife still lets you in your car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're allowed no, to get always... hit the concrete, but your daughter's not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not her blood. Blood water. There's a special bond between mothers and their children. <laughs> it's it, it is a difficult though. I mean, um, you know, you have you also, I guess, could look at it a different way to say to to hit that wall at that point going that speed, and that's that's one of the worst accidents you're going to see. Uh, not the worst, but it's it's a bad one. And as you say, wearing a hands device now, as we all do, we all have to do that now, even if we didn't want to. You know, and the cages and what cams are mandating now in in the in the newer cars. We're not running, you know, tinfoil alloy cages anymore. Again, if if the car's well built and and you've you've made sure that it's not going to catch on fire when you hit the wall. I mean, it's um, yeah, you can, you can make them pretty safe. And and I think you know that's why you don't see many major injuries in our category. Touch wood, touch anything, but. That um, you know, we've we've been pretty fortunate, I think, as a category certainly in recent times in that regard. So, uh, but I do understand. I mean, my young bloke's about to jump in a cart and um and go racing, and and yeah, you know, it, I'm not sure how I'm how it's going to be for me. It's I'm, I'm really glad to hear what you say though, Dave, in terms of the fact that you know it's going to be fun because I I kind of have this horrible premonition that I'm going to be standing you know, on the side of the racetrack watching my son drive around half a lap behind and, and he's going to get out and in tears and maybe that's going to happen, I don't know, you know, but, but that's, you know, th- those sorts of experiences and then, or, or maybe it'll be great. I just don't know and, and um, yeah, I hope it's good. I hope I hope, I hope to have the same sort of experience I, you had. I do have a good go-kart story. My two boys, I think Todd was seven and Luke was 10 and we went out for a, a kid's go-karting day and Todd, who was seven, was, Two years younger than anybody, but he basically lacked everybody in the go kart. And even my mates are going, "Oh, look at you got it! Give me elbows!" Going, "Oh, there's a there's an F1 driver coming here." And then he got back into the pits, and I said, "Oh, Todd, that's fantastic! You know, you hardly use the brakes." And he went, "What brakes?" He went out in the second session. He went out in the second session when I told him where the where the brake pedal. I told him before, but. Yeah, he went out in the second session and he got lapped. And I went, oh, I'm so deflated. <laughs> just, but just keep but later, later on, he was working at a go-kart. He was working at a go-kart um, hire place um, on weekends and after school. And he got me to come down to come do some laps. And he got in a go-kart and I got in a go-kart. And, oh, he just made me look like an idiot. Mm. So, you know, he had, to, had some skill. skill. And probably 30 kilos less weight. So that probably helped. It helps. It does. <laughs> Good stuff. Sorry, before I interrupted you before, Dave, you were talking about sponsors. Uh, I don't have any sponsors apart from myself. I just my company sponsors the car. So you know, Electra Master Brisbane. That's it. I get I get a little bit of help from um, I've got Energy um, Motor Repairs, which is a mechanical business across my lane. Um, yeah, and that's about it. Cool. I don't I don't source sponsors. I just I just like to do things myself and don't have to answer to anybody that way. Mm, well, there's not much sponsorship available, unfortunately, in our category nowadays. And I think it's, you know, we mostly fund ourselves, don't we? 
certainly it's my experience. And if there's anyone out there that well, wants to give me some money to go racing, I'm happy to. <laughs> Yeah, but then you then you gotta you gotta worry about oh they're gonna come out you gotta look after them fluff them up and feed them and do whatever whatever and you know it becomes a bit of a arduous task for me bit of bit of an old stalwart so I'm just not bother and just do it out. Well, it's it's more it's more fun when you can just play with the car and and enjoy the track and not have to worry about that stuff. Dave, how can yeah. people follow your progress? I mean. Um, if you're not putting in-car cameras in anymore, I guess it's a bit harder to, to watch your video. I know you've put some video up in the past, but is there any way people can follow your progress aside from checking Natsoft results or my laps? Look, I don't have a I don't have a Facebook page for racing, but I do have a YouTube channel which I've got a shitload of videos on there, and that's that's Nod Law, which is my surname spelled backwards with an extra W, so it's N O D L A W W. So if you if you type that in at YouTube, you'll get you'll get a, Heap of videos of, of the old. I've got stuff in there with the old blue Matty Clift RX3. I've got the white RX3, RX8 stuff. There's, there's some of my my son's drifting in there as well. So every, everything. Good stuff. Well, we'll put a link to that on the on our Facebook page too, if anyone's interested, so you can check it out. Dave, mate, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, all the best for the future and. Yeah, mate, keep your shiny side up. I hope I hope you guys get some more. You've got one more round, I think, in November at Morgan Park. Is that right? That's right, yes. So you, you, you'll have the car out, I, I'm assuming? Uh, yeah, I'll have the car out. I've actually, um, after being out of Simon's, it's, um, there's a little bit of work to be done, so hopefully the work we do is going to make it a bit quicker so I can uh, I can I'll be more, more challenging at the front. So it'll, I'm looking forward to it. Good stuff. Well, good luck. Great. Well... Thanks for that, Dave. Um, we might move on now just to upcoming dates. So racing dates coming up. No, still no dates for Victoria. Um, thinking of you guys down there. It must suck being locked down and no racing. I hope uh, hope things get better for you guys soon. New South Wales, next round is um, the Wakefield Park MRA round on the 4th of October, so that'll be good to see. Uh, Queensland, you guys were just talking about the next round at Morgan Park, which is 20th to the 22nd of November. South Australia, next round is at the bend at the end of October. So looking forward to that one. It's a little distance away, but um, yeah, I'll be very keen to get out there and check it out and, and say hello to a few more uh, SA Club members and, um, yeah, check out the facilities out there. Really looking forward to it. Uh, Barbagallo, 17th of October. Uh, Tasmania have a round coming up on the 20th of September at Baskerville. And um, I believe the next Northern Territory Circuit Racing round is the 13th of September, which is this coming weekend. So I know that the last round they had there, the Shannon's uh, point score round, was very poorly attended. So uh, to our friends in Northern Territory, if you're keen to get your cars out and you can, get them out there. Uh, Hopefully you'll have a field to race against. So, yeah, that's it, fellas. Thanks again, Dave, Mick, listeners, volunteers and racers. Thank you so much, Dave, for joining us, mate. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, anytime, mate. Thank you for having me. And, Mick, thanks again, mate, for your time. It's been uh, uh, good, to, good to talk again. It's been too long. have to make, uh, make this a more regular thing. We've got to stop saying to make it more regular. Every time yeah. we say we're going to make it regular, we have too much of a break again. Oh, mate, I've got to, I got, you got to find you. Yeah, I need a house, mate, is what I need. I need a house, I need a shed, I need tools, right. I need my race car. Um, that's that's what keeps me going. And and for all you listeners out there who have cars in the shed that need work, get on the spanners because racing's back. And even in Victoria, you guys, racing will be back soon. 
get to work on your cars so that we can see them on track soon. Yeah, we can get back to racing once this uh, once this virus is under control. And certainly there's racing happening else, everywhere else pretty much around the country. So, um, yeah, um, get out there and support your local clubs um, and, and make, the, make racing great again. It'll be good. Subscribe for future episodes and we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks again and take care.